0: Welcome back to Tales of Southwest Michigan's Past. My name is Michael Delaware. I am your host. And in this episode, I am going to talk to you about a subject that I've long been fascinated with, and that is the subject of coyote migration. Now, earlier this year, I did a podcast episode as well as a YouTube video on wolf stories from Michigan's um, historic past. And they were all stories that were prior to 1900 in Michigan. And when I released the podcast and the video and I shared some of these uh, links on social media, I had a lot of comments and a lot of people telling me their own unique stories about wolf encounters. And I had one person make mention in a comment that uh, kind of inspired me to make this podcast episode and he said well you know some of those stories how do you know that they weren't coyotes and I pointed out to him in my response that well have you ever heard of the coyote migration Um, the migration patterns of coyotes they were not in Michigan during that time so that was kind of how I got inspired to tell this story so it's a very interesting history I've taken some time since then to really do a study of it so that I could present this to you in a format that would be Interesting, educational, and a little bit fun. So, to begin, I want to start with a story, a story that comes from the First Nation people, Native Americans. And it was a story that comes from originally an oral tradition. It was something that was verbally passed down through the centuries from elder to young people and passed on. And that was how stories were told back then. And in the course of my travels, I was fortunate enough to hear this story told to me, and... Some years ago, I wrote it down, and I intended to include it in a book of collection of stories that I've been working on for quite a long time, and it was about the coyote. And I thought, well, I'll try to color it up a little bit, or just really explain it to the reader who's unfamiliar with it, and and give a little bit more of an insight. But what's essential to understand is many of these oral tradition stories from the tribal elders, they endeavor to carry forward a message in there and often the message is embedded in the story in such a way as to illuminate an uncanny prescient insight into a deeper understanding of the world expanding beyond a mere spiritual lesson about life. I mean it Often is quite deep and really makes you think. And this story about coyote did that for me. And so I want to tell you the story. Um, and it's in my own words. And there are many different versions of this. If you do research of this online, you'll find slight variations. But i try tried to stay essentially close to the core of the story, okay? So the, the story of Coyote. First of all, to understand the story of Coyote, you have to look at the tradition of the Native American people. And this is this is fairly consistent depending on the different tribes, but they when they refer to an animal in a story, they refer to it as a singular entity or spirit, not as the species of the animal itself. For example, when they talk about hawks, they're not talking about birds, they are talking about hawk. And hawk himself is a spiritual being. Same thing with turtle. They're not referring to turtle as animals, but all of the turtles. And it can also be referred to as a singular turtle, but the entity turtle is what they're talking about. And the same would be true for bear, wolf, eagle, and so forth. So when they tell a story about an animal, they refer to it as a very particular entity. In the case of coyote, they refer to coyote as a spiritual entity, okay? So the First Nation people referred to coyote as a being that composes not just the animal species, but the embodiment of the spirit behind the animal, embracing all coyotes. So when telling the story, the animal we know as a coyote is regarded as a singular spirit or godlike entity referred to as coyote. So depending on the tribe, coyote is regarded with various levels of consideration. The Navajo people, for example, regard coyote as an untrustworthy character. Whereas the Pueblo tribes, coyote was believed to have been a conveyor of hunting medicine. And some tribes regarded coyote as a teacher, whereas others regarded him sort of as an anti-hero who embodied recklessness, arrogance, and greed. Still, others characterize Coyote as a comic trickster whose lack of wisdom gets him into trouble, but his cleverness delivers him from ruin. So that's kind of a take on different angles from the various tribal viewpoints But there's a legend about coyote that's still told among many tribal circles. And in the telling of this story, it varies in subtle differences between the tribes. However, the message is essentially the same. And here's essentially what this story comes to. It came to pass many centuries ago at a time when coyote was observing man and other animals. And after careful consideration and observation of both, he came to the conclusion that the living did not appreciate life. And as a god with the power to change the course of events, he came upon the idea to create death as a closure to life, so that the living would better appreciate what it means to be alive. And so, Coyote created death. He built it as an entity unto itself— and it would serve as a showstopper on the stage of the living. It was the aficionado of the final act, the dark curtain to close out the illuminated light of the living and give them that old final hurrah. Born of shadow, the driving intention of death was one who would bring not only man, but all living things into a greater understanding and appreciation of what it meant to be alive." So, once death was created, however, there was no stopping it. It carried on under its own power. So, when Coyote unleashed death upon the world... He was at first pleased. Coyote climbed upon a hilltop to look across the fields and into the deep valleys and over the mountains and marveled at what he had unleashed. Death took to the task of the living in everyday existence and introduced a danger that wasn't present there before. His creation made them aware of the importance of living, and they feared death. But his creation, however, tumbled down a hillside like a boulder, causing indiscriminate wreckage in its wake. And so it came that his mighty creation backfired on Coyote as one day, Death came and took his own cubs. Devastated and enraged by this outcome, Coyote decided following many days of mourning to take his own revenge against death. If he could not stop death, he would defeat it. And thus, Coyote became a tenacious effigy of resilient living. And in the centuries that followed... His whole existence became driven beyond the range of limits into a superior skill set with a singular purpose, to defeat death. He evolved into the trickster, the stealthy hunter, the seemingly reckless figure with a crafty intelligence and voracious appetite. In short, he became the ultimate survivor. And there's more to that story, but I'm not going to share it in this episode. But you essentially get the idea. Coyote created death. It backfired on him. It took his own cubs. And his response to death was to defeat death. And in doing so, he became the ultimate survivor. And there's a lot of examples of this. If you try to talk to a hunter and ask them how easy it is to track a coyote to its own lair, you'll discover that it's probably one of the most difficult things that you will ever try to do in nature. Because... The coyote is a trickster, and he will lead you miles and miles and miles away from his own den in an effort to lose you. And there's a lot of uh, National Geographic videos that you can watch to, if you don't believe me, watch some of those ones on coyotes. They've had a difficult time, and they have to basically observe the coyote from miles away with uh, zoom lenses in order to evade the coyote so he doesn't know that... um, you know, that he's being followed or watched that way they can track it to the den and actually, you know, do whatever natural studies they want to do on the cubs. And so it, they've had to develop this in unique skill set in order to track a coyote to its own den, whereas they don't have to do that with other animals. So the coyote does have a reputation as a trickster. And that being said, so let's take a look at some of the history of coyote expansion in the United States over the years. Now, there's a great historical study that was done by the Natural Library of Medicine, and it was a, a pretty common Comprehensive study that was released in 2018 and it covers data going back to the early 1800s all the way up to 2016 on the expansion of coyotes over a geographic expanse of North America and Central America. And the geographic distribution of coyotes has dramatically increased since 1900, spreading across much of North America in a period. When most other mammal species have been in decline, the coyote has been expanding. Now, there's been a lot of considerable research done into finding out why this has been happening. And today, compared to the 1900s, the coyote had boundaries that um, were essentially west of the Mississippi and to the southern border of Canada. And that was essentially the the widest range that they had prior to 1900. And before that, they were even in a smaller range. And they were restricted um, primarily to the arid areas of the southwestern United States and California. And they were primarily an arid desert animal or one that would find its way into the grasslands or prairie. Those were the the terrains that it tended to Occupy. And it wasn't until just past the 1900s that we started seeing an expansion when they started expanding into what they referred to as Tiaga Forests. These are forests that comprise more dense vegetation, and so the forested lands. And I'll get into a few of the reasons historically why this was the case and why what caused this to happen. However, just kind of bear in mind that if you're looking at a map in your head, that prior to 1900, and there's been a couple of careful studies done on that, the farthest north that they went in the North America was about just north of Colorado. So in the 1800s, they were kind of just in that range. They they would go all the way up to the border of Canada in that period, but they were more densely populated to the southwestern United States, and they hadn't really crossed the Mississippi River at that point. As it progressed through the years, now there are coyotes as far as north as Quebec. In the 1980s, there were big stories that came out in the news if you had read the papers during that time, you might recall some of the stories that came out about the coyote's sudden appearance on St. Edward's Island in Canada, and also on Newfoundland. And so that was around the 1980s. Um, You get up to the 1990s, they start going up into northern Quebec. They reached Alaska by the 1960s, and as of 2016, they showed up in Panama, Panama is as far south as they were recorded as of 2016, and they have now a potential to go into the South American continent, and the impact from that is kind of unknown. They don't know what will happen to the, um, the native animals and species in that, and what the impact of a coyote being introduced into the South American ecosystem and what the outcome of that will be so the migration of the coyote in present day as based on the 2016 study is as far north as alaska to about the mid-range of canada across the if you were to take the the, the province of quebec it's uh, as of 2016 it was pretty much the top of New, newfoundland was all colored on the map and halfway up into quebec in the province of quebec so that is um, the range. And then, of course, west to east coast, all up and down the east coast, all the way down to Florida. And uh, they got introduced into Florida and Georgia. According to the map, they became introduced into the southern tip of Florida, by about 1990. Prior to that, the farthest they had gone is they'd gotten into Georgia around 1960, and they began expanding farther east and south between um, 1970 to about 1990 to 2000. And so the latest map shows that they are now down in Panama uh, as far as the range and as far north as Quebec and covering the entire east coast. And we're going to talk about a little bit now about why that. That occurred. But before I do that, I should probably mention Michigan because this is about tales of Southwest Michigan's past. When did they get introduced or when did they start arriving and migrating into Michigan? Well, according to this. Uh map there's been a couple of different maps over the years a couple of studies there was one done in 1995 which was based on earlier re- records of written people but then they did a more of an a study based on actual specimens that they excavated from the ground and they have a different Map range. So, based on the more later study that was done in the 2000s, there is evidence that the coyotes first showed up in Michigan around 1920 and they were in the southern part, southwestern Michigan, in about 1920 to 1930. They didn't get up into the upper portion of the lower peninsula until about the 1930s. However, they did go up into the upper peninsula before that because they went around the other way to Wisconsin. So the map here shows that by the end of the 1930s, they were all over Michigan and crossed over into Canada. So prior to that, between the 1900 and the 1930s, that was when they made their migration and became uh, a species here in the state of Michigan. So historically, when we talk about stories of the past, and I look up stories of wolf encounters and that sort of thing, the reason it was near impossible to have it been a coyote encounter and misunderstood or uh, misidentified is because they weren't here yet. And that's one way to tell on a timeline. So you're pretty much safe when you're researching any story prior to 1900 in Michigan or anywhere farther east east that any encounter with a wolf-like animal, it was an actual species of wolf. And of course, by comparison, a coyote is a much smaller animal compared to a wolf. So what caused the migration? Well, the first one that they've identified that is um, probably the key factor is the reduction of apex predators. This allowed them to expand from their niche of food, which was their was smaller prey, and with the removal of apex predators, such as wolves or cougars in North America, or if you're going to look at South America, the removal or the extirpation of cougars and jaguars from Central America, it opened up larger prey and to being sought as meals because no other larger animals were taking them. And so the coyote adapted. And remember the Native American story that I told at the beginning that the coyote is a consummate survivor mm-hmm. with a voracious appetite that is willing to adapt into various terrains in order to defeat death and the decline of the apex predators is looked at scientifically as the one of the main causes that set the stage for the coyote colonization into new terrains into out of the arid terrains that it was accustomed to into the forested areas and thus we see it expanding into areas like michigan and canada yeah, all the way up into Alaska. Now the colonization of coyotes into Western Canada and Alaska has been attributed to the creation of new human settlements during the gold rushes in the late eighteen eighties, and there was also a factor of the colonization of the whole West, where you had forested areas suddenly turned into farmland, making it very similar to prairies and grasslands that the coyote was accustomed to. If you look at the history of Michigan, uh, in the early history of Michigan prior to 1900, the state was much more forested than it is today, particularly in southwest Michigan all the way up to mid-Michigan. Uh, Michigan essentially was a source for lumber and wood material material of all kinds for much of the central to western United States as they expanded westward. And the wood, of course, was used to build homes and housing, furniture, and anything, any other products that were made from wood. And Michigan was a supplier for a great deal of lumber for a period that lasted almost 50 years or more going into about the 1950s. So you have this um, deforestation going on, uh, and it's a conservation issue. There you have the uh, clearing of land, clearing of land for farmers, land and so you have a less densely populated regions and you have an animal that is losing at the same time its apex predators. So as the settlers were clearing land they were also doing away with apex predators. If you had a cougar on your land it was dangerous to livestock so you would take out the cougar and the same thing would happen with the wolves and the wolves were kind of driven away from their forested habitats and so the coyote moved in and the coyote is a lot more stealth a lot more more of a smaller animal, but it's also still a predator and it didn't have the larger predators that kept it in check uh, previously. And so it naturally expanded. And um, those are two major factors. So you have the reduction of apex predators and you have the expansion of the human settlements going into the forested areas and removal of the forested areas of land Uh, Over time. Now, there's another factor that has also contributed to the expansion of the coyote, and that is the hybridization with dogs or wolves. And they have been able to do studies of testing of coyotes that they've captured or shot and killed and tested their uh, DNA, and they have discovered that coyotes in the North. Eastern United States have consistently had a hybridization with dogs or wolves, which made them a little bit more able to adapt to the forested areas than their original species for the arid climates. The other area of the country that has had evidence of hybridization, as in the southeastern United States all the way down to Florida, the coyotes down there, definitely have traces of dogs and wolf in their DNA. They have not come up with any evidence to prove that it is the same with the species of coyote found in the northwestern portion of the United States. So it appears that the northeastern and southeastern coyote has more of a a greater degree of hybridization in the species of coyote than you would find out in the southwestern United States and there is also evidence of this in central America but they have not really done any studies to prove it yet but they are highly suspected because the coyotes down there in some of the ones that they've inspected have have similar morphological characteristics to the dogs or the native species of dogs in that area. So there are um, those main factors that have caused to the ongoing expansions. You have the removal of the apex predators, the colonization of man into territories and clearing out and making settlements and removing the apex predators, as well as clearing land, making it more desirable for the arid desert, prairie, grassland type species of coyote to expand into there. And then you have their hybridization with dogs. Domestic dogs and wolves, causing these species to evolve. And so, historically, the range of the coyote has expanded 40% since the 1900s, which far exceeds any other species of animal in North America or South America or Central America. So, this is uh, an unusual ecological wonder that's happened with the coyote and the coyote expansion. And it's just a very interesting historical note because the eastern expansion of the coyote and what it was prior to the 1800s when the European settlers arrived, it's dramatically changed, you know, because it was they were concentrated to the southwestern portion of the United States in those days. And so now we have this new change that's happened over the period from really launching it somewhere around the 1900s All the way to present day in 2016, over the last 100 years, we've had a 40% plus migration of a species that has not been in the area very that that long. And so the long-term ecological effects of that are still not fully understood. So that's just a very interesting note on the coyote expansion. And there's with the historical context of when they arrived in Michigan. Safely say, between somewhere between the 1920s and 1930s, they began arriving and showing up in the state of Michigan, and that's according to the National Library of Medicine article that was published in... 2018 by an organization of publishers called Zoo Keys. So a zoological um, study done on the history of the geographic distribution of coyotes. Referred to in its scientific name as Canis lanthrus. And it's a mapping of the expansion of coyotes across North and Central America. And so it's quite interesting to note that the coyote has found its way all the way down to Panama. And um, where it goes from there, one can only assume it's going to keep heading south, probably has gone as far north as it wants to go with the cold temperatures. But, you know, with hybridization with the northern timber wolf, who knows? Maybe we'll see it all the way up at the North Pole. So I find that completely interesting that the First Nation people had stories about the survival ability of the coyote, and their oral tradition goes back much farther than the United States. So how old the story is, only they would be able to probably exactly tell you But it certainly goes back well before the 1800s from their oral tradition. So it's interesting that they had this unique insight into the character of the coyote and his survival drive. And it certainly bears out in present day over the last 100 years with a 40% expansion across North America. So that's going to conclude today's journey through history looking at the coyote expansion over the years. I hope you found this interesting. I certainly found it intriguing uh, when I heard these stories growing up in Arizona about the coyote migration, and I didn't quite understand it back then, and there certainly wasn't this internet where you could really dig into all these scientific studies that have been done since then. Um, But it is a fascinating story to me, and I hope that you guys can see it in the context of southwestern Michigan history as well as Michigan history. And it is a fascinating story if you like that sort of ecology. And if you'd like to find out more about myself, please take some time to check out my website at michaeldelaware.com. You can also check out my YouTube channel. You can find a link to that through my website, michaeldelaware.com, as well as searching on YouTube for Michael Delaware. I've got a lot of history videos about southwestern Michigan Michigan and other parts of Michigan. And if you'd like to support the work that I'm doing here, there are some links on the webpage as well. And as always, I hope that you will join me next time as we take another journey into history that includes some interesting tales of Southwest Michigan history. Thanks for listening.